This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Today's show is sponsored by Tracker. Make losing things a thing of the past by pairing Tracker to your smartphone, attach it to anything, and find its precise location with the simple tap of a button. Go to thetracker.com right now and enter promo code BADCHRISTIAN to receive 20% off any purchase. That's thetracker.com, promo code BADCHRISTIAN for 20% off your order. All right, that's it. Take it away, gentlemen. Cash I'll tell you what, everything. hang on, I'll Damn get you it. the sound effect. I know it pumps you up. Give me one second. I was ready to rap. I know, well, just collect your thoughts. Here we go. You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast. Go for it. Cash rules everything around me. Chin, get the money. Dollar, dollar bills, y'all. That's a terrible beatbox. That's just, I mean, I it thought just you were really, going to step back, up the aggression. Bad Christian Podcast. It's the damn bad Christian Podcast. It's just, I just, that debt. Mike. I thought you were going to step it up. I mean, you, you were supposed to have some real, you should have had some more of like a trip-hop jungle vibe, and you came in with this that was little a, light trap kit. I know, I don't was get that it. a bunny hopping through the forest? What the hell was that shit, I man? Thought it's you the were Bad Christian more, Podcast. I thought you were going to get we're more aggressive. We're supposed to be creative. I thought this you is gonna... about honoring the creator of all, and you're going to bring that? <laughs> Uh-oh. God. <laughs> Good Lord. Now my audio's distorted and everything. How you guys doing? Your audio distorts maybe when you scream <laughs> into your microphone, I think. I try not to do that. Usually that's my brother, Mike, but, uh, you know, that's how it goes. Hey, I'm actually pretty jacked up today because uh, a few things are going on. Uh, we are trying to figure out if our bus will still work, so Matt's finding a place for me here in Nashville to take it, right? Yeah, we're doing a bunch of bus work. Don't forget to tell him about that audio feed guitar, oh. though. I was supposed to mention that uh, immediately. Well, that was what I was getting ready to say. The reason why I was thinking about the bus is because we are going to audio feed next Friday. Not this Friday, but next Friday. We're going to be playing with Matt and Toby and the Bad Christian Podcast is going to be having because it's Bad Christian Day again at Audio Feed Festival in Urbana, Illinois. It's going to be so fun. You need to come to this because just like we had Luke on uh, and he was just talking about why they do it and how they do it and how they push the limits. And it really is about good music and good entertainment. And it's not just trying to get you to uh, believe in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, as like a bait and switch. Oh, here's some cool music. Now here's the real thing we want to tell you. Nope. It's about all of it. It's about the good stuff. So we're going to be there. And here's the other good thing. If you go to badchristianday.com, uh, follow our link, you can enter into a raffle that will, you can win a guitar signed by all of us. Yeah. And if you I mean, buy if you if you buy your ticket through our link at badchristianday.com, you're automatically right. entered to win a guitar, which will raffle right. off. We'll have it signed and raffle off during the podcast there at the festival. That will be very, very cool. A lot so, of excitement all right, remember, all in one little announcement. So much. So excitement. if you got all our transportation worked out, Toby, Toby does our logistics. He books the flight. He agonizes over them for hours and hours and get, figures out what car we're going in and who's flying to what city. And is it all sorted out? Yes. Yeah, so we're going to take my van to Audio Feed, uh-huh. uh, my 2006 Toyota Sienna. And I just got it worked on, so that's going to be pretty nice. Now, they did tell me the catalytic converter is going bad, but I, then I watched a bunch of YouTube videos, and that catalytic converter might not be bad. I don't, don't know. Stick, I gotta do it. Don't worry I, about it. Ignore I know. It. There's, a few, there's a few things about it that make it seem a little shady. And uh, so I'm going to, if anybody out there knows anything about catalytic converters, you can write me uh, and let me know about it. That'd be I know a cool. little bit about catalytic converters, and I know a lot about mechanics. So don't right. fool with it. Just leave it alone. Very, very good. Uh, these guys are pretty legit. I, I think they're being honest. They didn't say definitely do it. They were like, yeah, if you can hold off, hold off. But uh, So I, I, we are taking my van. We're working on our bus, trying to get another bus here worked out, and I'll see what, what's going to happen with that, and then we'll have more details on that in the future. But here's one of the reasons why I'm really happy. As most of our listeners, I think, know, uh, it's been maybe a month ago now, a few weeks back, uh, I was challenged, and I challenged you guys, that I could write a Christian song very quickly, right? And mm-hmm. so I, not only did I write one, I wrote three, and uh, so I've recorded that song, and it sounds unbelievable. <laughs> I am, it's, it's unbelievable. How are like, we supposed it, the, to take it, considering what it was I, written, I, on what premise it was I, written? 
it's the it's the highest form of art I've ever done. I, I'm gonna let the listener decide. But I shot a music video for it yesterday as well too. So <laughs> I'm just kind of giving a little teaser here. Uh, I should have had the song queued up, but we'll we'll play the song and show the video here in the future. But I just want to get everybody's you know uh, mouths of watering for this song because you it, it, you can go back and listen. I forget what episode it is, but it might have even been titled "Toby Writes a Christian." Are you something singing like from like but, a mountaintop with a dove in the background? There might be a choir and and it might involve tons of like the rain of the Lord pouring <laughs> down upon me. So uh, we'll, we'll we'll get into that in the future. But it's just funny. It's funny that you mentioned that, Joey. Like Jess, she asked me when she heard the song. She's like, "It's just crazy." Like Carolyn, my mother in law, is going to think that this song is like the greatest thing I've ever done. Like she's <laughs> a you know Southern Baptist, super sweet lady, loves the Lord. Uh, really gives of her time, serves and everything. And I mean, she could. I mean, she thought it's neat that I did Emery, but she can't really listen to it. She thinks it's neat that I do Matt and Toby, and she likes some of those songs even more. But this song is like, oh my gosh, my son-in-law finally. You know, he was doing all this bad Christian stuff. We don't know if he's losing his way or whatever. And now he wrote this song, and I, and Jess goes, "What am I going to tell my mom?" Like just what you asked. What? How are people going to receive this? What is it? Is it parody? Is it a real song? What does it look like? And uh, we'll find out in the future. But it really did make me think. This day and age that we live in, like, like did I make even a fake news song? Like <laughs> where we where we're at in this day and fake age? Fake news just song. It's just, like, Fake you know worship. I mean? like people don't people don't exactly like people don't know like yeah. I wrote the song kind of as a parody just to say oh I can write this Christian song because I I'm concerned that Christian music doesn't take chances isn't safe and that's why people really flock to bands like King's Kaleidoscope um just just because they take chances and they do care about the art that yeah. they are creating that honors the Lord and I, and I feel like when you have just songs that sound just like each other yeah. or it's just a bad copy of what's on the radio and just really dumbed down lyrics, that, that, that really just stresses me out as far as us honoring our God and leading, if, if we're claiming to lead people into worship with the lowest common bar mm-hmm. denominator, whatever, it's just setting the bar so low, rather. It's just, uh, it, it's just, it just kills me. But with that being said, don't y'all think it's crazy? Like, I can't believe where where we're at in this world. Like Donald yeah, Trump's our bizarre. president. I'm writing possibly parody worship. Uh, you know everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know we don't even know. Uh, you can't trust. Can you or can you not trust police officers anymore? Everything right, that we right. are at, and and, um, and I'm just talking about just America. I mean, if you take the whole world, good lord. Yeah, I've been it's, thinking it's about the craziest that a lot. time in history. Is this the craziest time in history? Maybe not, but it feels that way. Because well, let me put it, it this way: it's a very crazy swing of the global tone in a very short span. Let's just say one year. Let's just look at one year ago would have been last June. Do you remember what the world felt like then? It was a lot different. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> That's crazy yeah. to think about, but you're right. It was. A lot different a year ago. And some people say it's better now. I don't. I, I don't really believe that. I'm an optimist overall, uh, but sometimes I question it. So typically, I've always thought we're headed in better place. The, you know, society is this big global superorganism project that we've all been working on for thousands of years, and here it goes. It's getting better and better with blips. Of course, there's downward blips and problems here and there, uh, but it overall seems to get better. Uh, so I'm relatively optimistic, but I'm a little bit, I don't know whether it be a blip or a major thing here, but I'm a, I'm a little bit nervous about where we're at, to be honest. I don't have a very, you know... I'm not making any specific predictions, but let me say that I wouldn't... I'm not... I, I think we may be headed for some actual major disasters matt when you, you know, say i think that's when, when you say you're worried are, are you re- i mean do you really get worried like you don't seem to get worried about that kind of stuff in fact uh, you're, not, you're lovingly yeah. like your brother you're discipling me in this area like you just kind of seem to have more of a laid back what's mm-hmm. you can't do anything about it so what are you worried so that's are right. you legitimately worried and if so like, what are some specifics? Because Matt's not going to just have this general worry. There's got to be specific things you're worried about. No, it's not even a. It's not even a a, a deep worry. It's just. Uh, it's just. Uh, logically, it seems that the, the things are different now in a way that is increasingly negative. I think that's increasingly volatile. Is what I'm saying. Volatile yeah. is where we're at. So there's no prediction on what may happen, really. Uh, but I guess what I'm thinking is. 
everything's making itself worse. I think the, even Trump is a symptom of where of some. It, he must be a symptom, not the. I, I mean, I don't buy that he's the cause of all the world's problems or even anything yeah. like that. But I think he's a, certainly a symptom of it and an outcome of it. And it just seems like with all these things, you know, in history, these there's these flashpoints where stuff gets intense and then it's volatile and then something can really happen so i think we're on that ground of uh, you know overly dry forest ready for something to do so, you know what i mean it's just i think this all maybe started back at i tell you what i think i think that 9-11 probably was the beginning of a new i think that'll still actually be the real beginning of where we're headed so hmm. I know it's kind of crazy. I'm not trying to even make a crazy take or anything. Maybe other people say this, but I think the world changed at 9-11, and now we're starting to see some of that. As in, I'm going to tell you this, the t- terrorism works, I guess. I think they really did a good job with that attack. That's what I think. I think you're still seeing, I think that's when it got kind of crazy and we started, for instance, giving up liberties and the government took on bigger roles and, you know, you know, you'd got people in a fear mode, like, uh, like what it did, the attack itself was so bad, but relatively small compared to wars and stuff like that. But, you know, that's terrorism causing fear, which is real damage. And I just kind of feel like it's been successful. It's kind of sad. But you know I feel what? like I, it, it I, just I was, was kinda, successful, and this is some of the stuff we're seeing now. It's the outcome of it still. It's I was kind of thinking the same th- same thing. Like, and here's what's really bad about that. I also think it was a time where, like, for forever, people just thought America the best. It's yeah. awesome. Uh, we're a superpower. The superpower. We're the heroes. We're everything. And then after that happened, I actually think our own country, our own leadership was like, oh, we can use this to our advantage. So then they started, you're right, right the fear-mongering. Right. Yeah, I, I see most of it probably from the right, but I think the right and the left used it. But it's just that idea of, oh, man, at any moment, you know, we are weak. We are susceptible. we got to build a wall. we got to do this. we got to do this because it's really scary out there, and at any moment, they're going to get you. And that, and so even our own leaders were like, oh, this is a tool we can use. Like, let's take this and run with it. Yes, yeah, so it was an opportunist took it and – to sh- to like highlight our weaknesses so that we see we live in a more fearful life now. Yeah, but and, and a life that's really crazy. Let's and just it's causing, believe it's causing pushback on believe. the other side and everything else. So yeah, I truly it's believe divided that us at least. There, there's obviously some New Yorkers that went through 9/11 and actually felt what it felt like for us to be like, wait a second, we're not invincible. But I'd say most of us, yes, 9/11 did change a lot but it didn't change us into feeling susceptible. Like, I still think in the back part of our minds, we believe, eh, everything's going to be okay. It always has been in America. But let's, like, a lot of people don't realize World War II was probably the last time where we truly thought, oh, my gosh, we may be taken over. And sure, the Cold War had some scares as well. But I I don't know about you guys, but, I mean, I I still have this complacency in the back of my head to where I'm like, We're going to be all right. Like, America yeah. will take care of it. And when you start to let go of that, it's like, man, it's crazy. Like, that is not the case. We are susceptible. I mean, yeah, there's just, technology I mean, out the- there that could wreck us completely. And that's just a weird feeling. It's almost like the assumptions that we make about God, and, and I believe rightfully so. He's loving, so we're going to be okay. We almost attribute that same sort of trust to our country and that's just not true. But see, I, I only thing I would disagree with is I don't think we're more susceptible now than we were back in the early nineteen or earlier nineteen hundreds. I mean, even all the way throughout the mid century or whatever. Or it, uh, just because I mean, think about uh, an atom bomb was dropped, and think you know I'm like think about all the, the things that happen now are small attacks that are trying to really scare you. I do think we're susceptible to terrorist attacks, but we always have been. And then, and what I'm saying is, I, I think more along the lines that people are are using it just to scare you. Like, I, like you go, well, yeah, I, you know, it's, it, it affects travel. People don't want to go places. People don't. I mean, just let's look at the horrific thing just happened with North Korea with that student yeah. that was over there, and he came back with unreal brain damage and died. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I mean, all these things are happening where that is meant to scare you. But now, I guess I'm talking just, like complete takeover. Like, do you think that there's a chance? That no. in the no, next no, few no, but that's not no, any not worried. Nobody's worried about that. But Nobody's collapse, like a, collapse yeah. of our society, devolving into violence and you know real bad stuff. I mean, you know, the the, the fear is us turning on ourselves. That's the design. That's right. the problem. Yeah. Yes. Not 
some foreign power invading us. That's that, that, terrorism has figured out it's it's the effective way. You remember when guerrilla warfare was effective in Vietnam? It's like holy shit, we don't know what to do about this, and we it was bad because wait, you're not supposed to do that. And now this is just the next level of that, and it the, it's the way that the people with less power are able to fight big powers. But that is the problem. I mean, you know, you have all these really small. Ter- you know, terrorism has made its way to the mainstream because it works, is what I'm saying. Yeah. And so yeah. now that's going to get refined and continue. Like, I think they see it, whoever. I mean, it's not not just jihadist terrorists, but domestic terrorists, right. everything. It, it sucks, but that's it kind of works. So, so let me ask let me ask y'all this. We're in this are- postmodern time where we are – look at me. I, I talk about institutions, and we're going to talk about institutions being powerful and need to be taken down a notch and need to be dealt with too. Now, there's a difference in criticizing an institution and talking about it and – trying to take it down or using violence or terrorism or something. But it, it does seem that we're in some place where institutions and power structures are, are, are under threat and maybe even rightly so. But that's why, that's why I'm still big on self-correction, working together, sharing truth, figuring shit out as opposed to, otherwise we're just going to, you know, that power is going to get out of balance enough to where stuff like terrorism happens and where you, a revolution within countries and and civil wars these things all come out of out of balance power and the, the only way to fight back is these crazy things that that right. may happen for, are and, you, and they're all it's all related are you guys surprised that Donald Trump is still alive i know that sounds so bizarre and extreme but it is that not shocking not to me i think i think that's part of the plan like i think everybody all the other countries anybody that would want to do us ill will likes it because I, no it i'm talking about so, i'm talking about an inside oh, job just, there's you, so many crazies in this country i just right. cannot believe i just i think but, everybody likes it it keeps you so occupied yeah it keeps you preoccupied from anything that really matters but if you if you think about it i, I mean and i'm getting off track i think there's really good security around our presidents cuz i'm surprised obama wasn't shot i'm surprised bush wasn't shot i mean so uh, but hey, real quick, while we're talking about uh, craziness, I want you to imagine that the zombie apocalypse is here. So we're talking zombies. I I, I imagine that most days. So the life. question is, where'd you put your damn chainsaw? Is it under the couch? Is it in the I kitchen? I have no idea where my chainsaw is. I don't know where my axe is. Oops. I don't know where my... Yep. Well, then Toby's a zombie now because he didn't get Tracker before it was too damn late. It. So eight years ago, Tracker changed everything when they released their first tracking device, and now they've done it again with the all-new Tracker Pixel. With Tracker Pixel, you'll never worry about losing your things again. Tracker Pixel is the lightest Bluetooth tracking device on the market. Oh, I have one. It's so small and light. Place Tracker Pixel on whatever you tend to lose. So keys, wallets, even your cat. That's awesome. Uh, It's small enough to fit anywhere. When you misplace an item that has a Tracker Pixel attached... Use your smartphone, and a 90-decibel alert will help you find it in seconds. It even has powerful LED lights, so you can find anything even in the dark. You lose your phone, just press the button on your tracker pixel, and your phone rings, even if it's on silent. I mean, this is awesome. You just don't lose things anymore with this thing. So you can even locate your item if it's miles away, because every tracker user is part of the largest crowd locate network in the world. So Tracker's 30-day money-back guarantee means you truly have nothing to lose by trying this. We waste so much time trying to find stuff. Go to thetracker.com and enter promo code BADCHRISTIAN to get 20% off any order. That's thetracker.com, promo code BADCHRISTIAN, for 20% off, thetracker.com, promo code BADCHRISTIAN. I'm going to put my tracker pixel on my axe and chainsaw right now. <laughs> Good idea. Good idea. So let me also tell you about something else important, and that is a band called Demon Hunter. Very important band. Very important band because everybody likes them. And when everybody likes something, it's for a good reason, and that is certainly the case here. So... I'm going to play you a little bit of a song from their new album. They have a new album called Outlive, and here's the track. I'll talk a little bit about it too, but I'm going to let you hear it.
I'll let that track roll down here. Now, this track is from the is called Died in My Sleep, and it's a new track off their new album called Outlive. Outlive, it came out back in March, and it guess what? It landed at number eight album in the country. It, was, it charted at number 25 on the Billboard Top 200. And for the next two weeks, here's the special thing. You can get a copy of Outlive by Demon Hunter for 35% off of the vinyl. So you can get the you can get a copy of Outlive on vinyl for 35% off in the Solid State merch store. And you can use the coupon code labeled, L-A-B-E-L-E-D. And that's because uh, that's also attached to the labeled podcast, which Toby and I do, by the way, for Tooth and Nail. So if you haven't checked out the labeled podcast, let me suggest that you do that too. Anyway, that's the promo code to get 35% off Demon Hunter's new record on vinyl. You go to solidstate.merchnow.com and pick up a copy while it's on sale. Again, 35% off. Use the coupon code LABELED. Check out Outlive by Demon Hunter anywhere you listen to music. I promise you won't be disappointed. All right. Let me see if we can get our guest up today. Do you want to tell him, Joey, pre-intro this guest while I bring him on a little bit? Um... No, I'd rather not. I'd rather just okay. do it with him. You don't have to. <laughs> Joey's going for the surprise today. He wants the sh- what do you want? What do you, why don't you want to tell him? Well, because it would, kind of, it would kind of be repeated information. Because I think wh- how I introduce him, I'd rather him hear it. That way I he see. can kind of know where we're at, what's the feel. You know? All right. Yeah. Chris, can you what's hear up, us? Man? Yeah. Excellent. Okay. What's up, Joey, Chris? Take it you, away. You little bitch. What's up? I got to get Good you warmed Lord. up by calling you names. Oh, look at that <laughs> smile. That's a Colgate smile right there. And so, let me, Chris, let me give people a snapshot of why we're even talking to you. You reached out to us, and I think it was so neat how you described it. You said that early on, you heard what we were talking about in regards to Elevation Church. That's Stephen Furtick, Charlotte, North Carolina, which, believe it or not, we don't have this huge vendetta against. Um, and you said that we kind of pissed you off, and you're just like, these guys, they don't know what they're talking about. This is my church. I was a super volunteer, and you sent me a picture of a, uh, like some sort of a plaque or award that you had been given. But then in the email, you said, uh, you know, in time, I started to hear what you guys were saying and then learning from experience, okay, these, these guys actually aren't off. So it's not like we convinced you of anything. It was more like, oh, crap, I'm finding out for myself that unfortunately these guys are right. My question well, I think to you... guys you, are just starting a... You guys are starting a conversation. I think that's the biggest thing, you know? Yeah. It's like people aren't having these conversations or they're afraid to, oh, if I even bring this stuff up, I'm going to be demonized or, oh, you know, what, what are you? You're, you're against it or any, anything like that. Chris, one, do you still go to Elevation? Is that still your home church? Uh, no, I wouldn't consider it. We haven't gone in, in quite a few months, but... Um, yeah. Yeah, when and, they close then, down, yeah. Yeah, well, I was, was going to say, too, then, is like, uh, so you obviously, you know, are going to tell us some stuff that you didn't agree with, but just so uh, we don't seem like the worst assholes in the whole world, what, what's like one or two things that you f- think were really good about Elevation Church? Let's start there. Like, what is, what is something you think, man, they are really doing well or doing the right things? The, the community that I ran into when I first came in there the first year or two was unmatched by anything else in terms of like the friends I met, the, the people and those relationships. Uh, I mean, I met a guy and, and like six weeks later, seriously, we're, we're best friends. And, you know, um, so stuff like that, I think was incredible. The people that you would meet and the connections that you would make and how quickly that kind of stuff would happen in that environment. And then okay, what happened? Cool. Tell us a little about your experiences and journey to, I mean, because what's interesting about, I think what we're doing here is that you started in one place and now you're in a different place. Just tell us about it. Well, I think if you look at the trajectory of it, when I first started going, I think it was around 2009 or something like that, they were doing things, I would say, quite a bit differently than they are now. Like even with when I first started going, within a year uh, of past, they had given away an entire week's offering to the congregation and said, hey, here's $40,000 to the whole congregation. You go bless other people. But no one ever, I don't think anybody hears, you know, stories like that. And um, that's a pretty good amount of money, you know. Yeah. And, but that was when, you know, their budget is just a a few million dollars versus now. And and I'll throw this out there. That that literally had to have been in the first year or maybe first two years because I think they started in 08. So this is a young church that needs to get money and they just gave a whole offering away. That's crazy. That's awesome. 
Right. So I, th- I think things like that, where they're talking about, hey, we have this big vision, we want to reach the city and then go out. And, and when you do radical things like that, I think you automatically become a little bit of a purple cow, so to speak, and like you're going to stand out. And especially when you're in a city that has more churches per capita than any other city in America, you have a lot of people that are easily going to flock to that when you do something a little bit different than the church down the street. So that's interesting. So you're saying, let me let me see if I can make a conclusion there, or at least an idea, is that you would think at first glance to start a church or a big church or try to build a mega church in the most church place in the country would be a uh, a lot of competition and a bad idea, but maybe it's more like it's the most fertile place to remove people exactly. from their smaller churches into your bigger one that's, you know, 8% bigger, better, sm- smarter, uh, you know, ahead of the curve. It's a fertile well, yeah, ground doing- to grow a church as opposed to competition. Absolutely. And if you do something as radical as that, like what church gives away a weekly offering, you know, like, yeah. I mean, that's real money, right? Like they need that, especially if you're a young church and, and to have that kind of faith and to think, okay, why are we here? We're here to bless other people and actually like act that out. Like that's pretty radical. So fast forward to you being a superstar volunteer. I mean, you were even given an award. What were, what was your involvement? Um, so yeah, I, within the first few weeks of even starting attending there, um, just connecting with people automatically, it's like, Hey, join a team, you know, start, you know, pouring into the church as they would say, and, and, and helping out. And honestly, um, I think that was a really good part of like my healing in, in terms of, uh, me growing is getting up early on Sunday morning, you know, at five thirty or whatever, going to set up a portable campus and, and you're with other people. And I think that's where you bond with the friends and you feel like, Hey, I'm really being a part of this. I'm, I'm, you know, setting up this pipe and drape. I'm rolling out, you know, the e-kid stuff and getting the, the nurseries ready and stuff like that. Um, and at some point it, it kind of seems weird. Like, you get to a point where you're like leading a team or whatever as a volunteer, but then it's almost like this undercurrent and maybe it was just me, but you feel like, Oh, I, in order to be like kind of a super Christian, I got to get on staff. Like that's the next level, right? Like I'm, I'm only right. volunteering. Well, I got to dedicate everything. Um, and it's interesting how, I don't know if it's on purpose manipulation, but it's just kind of like, oh, you know, well, you're not on staff yet, so it's okay. Um, you know, you're at a little bit lower level, even though you're getting up here, you're not getting paid, you know, other people are getting paid and things like that. So it, it's just interesting how over time it shifted. And now with them building all the buildings and it seems like almost uh, portable campuses are, are going out and they closed the last portable, uh, one of the portable campuses we were going to, which is just a few minutes drive down from our house, super convenient. Um, but it seems it, it, is more okay how many people can we get and you know build or build big buildings and things like that all right so 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 far you know obviously there's there's all all good i mean if i'm hearing about elevation for the first time i hear okay they're giving crazy money away they've got someone like you who is bought into sacrificing their time early on a sunday morning to help other people out what what's what's the turning point like what was it that you were just like Oh, wait a second. This isn't the place where I want to be. And are there specific... You, I mean, I'll just cut to the chase. You told me some specific things about the lead pastor that were quite alarming. Uh, you know, w- what's some stuff that you're willing to share? And I'll quote you in well, your email. You said you're willing to share anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think... Again, it goes back to early on when you're doing crazy stuff like giving away offerings. Like when was the last time something like that happened or even on that level? And I know they like to make a big point of, hey, well, we give away a certain amount of money. They give away 12%. Well, one time they used to bump that up 2% every year. And then all of a sudden it just stopped at 12%. And so are you saying at at $47 million a year annual budget, like, you know, 12% is is the max? And um, at they say, you know, we're all about the numbers. And so on some numbers, they're very public about it, right? We're very public about how many people are attending uh, the church and not so much, you know, in the past years, how much is being given. And at one point too, pastor talked about how each year he's increasing his amount of giving in terms of percentages. Well, if you want to be open about that, why is it so bad to say, you know, what what are certain levels of salaries within the church or who who's even on the overseas or how much are we paying guest preachers to come in? Does the congregation even know like that's a standard thing, honorariums, and, and at what level of your giving is going to pay honorariums or even pay honorariums for the board of overseers that are actually preaching at the church? 
Yeah, I mean, right? I, you, you know, you can play with those numbers pretty easily. I mean, everybody knows that. You see a graph or a chart that shows some big spike in a number, and then you zoom in and you see that was from the 80th to 90th percentile, and it makes it, you know, you can make numbers look out of whack really easy. Yeah. If you give uh, $50,000 of your a hundred thousand dollar salary away that's a lot but you can increase your giving to seventy five thousand if your new salary is three hundred and you're giving more right you know yeah you no, can say so you what, increased your giving so right <laughs> what, what so you were serving you got an award so what was your award that you won do you remember uh it was volunteer of the month and it was <laughs> <laughs> no nah, and at that time were you like yes Woo! Oh, you, you don't underestimate like how powerful that kind of stuff is to, to right. get people to continue to buy in and stuff like that. And obviously, you know, if you're waking up early, you're like, oh, yeah, I'd like to get recognized and feel like I'm doing right. a good job leading my volunteers and things like that. So when did it start kind of falling apart? Like, what were the first few things where you're like, uh oh, this seems a little shady or, or this doesn't sit right with me, maybe? Um, I feel like when you start building a bunch of multi-million dollar buildings within 10 miles of each other and your strategy is more like wherever, you know, the major grocery stores are, we're going to try to replicate that. It seems to really start to shift into this is a, a for-profit business in terms of what are our assets, let's keep growing that versus we're going to give away a week's worth of offering and try to bless as many people as we can. Um I think the first big turning point where a lot of friends of mine started was uh, it was probably the second capital campaign when they were raising for the second building they were going to build Blakeney. Um, and they had pastor went over to Africa and they had a film crew follow him and all this stuff. And um, it was like, yeah, let, let's raise money and we're going to give 10% to the African kids, but the 90% is going to go build this, you know, million dollar building down 10 miles down from the building we're at right now. And so it's, People kind of kept away with that, and one one friend in particular said, "I felt like I was just at a used car salesman, you know, dealership." And we watched a movie about that, you know, like you get all the emotions of, "Hey, we're going to help the poor kids in Africa," and oh yeah, oh ten percent will go. If if you talk to any other nonprofits in a different sector than the church, if they're giving away only ten percent, like is that really something to be bragging about? But compared to other churches, I think in some ways that's really good, right? You look at 90% right. of the churches, what percentage of their budget are they giving? So on the one hand, I think that's why you other churches are looking to elevation like, oh man, that's such a good model. But again, that goes back to like, what's the purpose of the church? Is it a for-profit business? And yeah, we can brag about giving five or 10% away, or is it more a nonprofit charity where you're trying to give closer to 100% away? Chris, I mean, tell so us about the vibe there where, I mean... I don't want to paint them in any light they're not in, but tell us how it felt, whether or not you could or wanted to, or do you think there's an undercurrent of people that were questioning those things and, and was that able to be talked about in small groups or one-on-one -on -one conversations or, or even to the larger church? If you had concerns about what they were doing, is that is there a way to you know, verbalize that? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And when we were first doing that capital campaign, I remember specifically during a sermon, uh, pastor said, hey, if you have a question about the finances, you call up the office and I'll get you a meeting with the, the head guy of that. And I literally did that. I called up, I got a meeting, and I got uh, in, in the office of one of uh, the director of operations there um, and sat down and he walked me through basically the audit report that you know, depending on what years they released the annual report, sometimes the audit was, report was there, sometimes it wasn't. But again, when you're talking about a couple million dollars in a budget, there's lots of stuff that's going to be in those big numbers. And so on one hand, they say, oh, we'll be transparent. But on the other hand, it's, you know, how transparent are you willing to go with stuff like that? I was going to ask too, like, so one of the things that got me noticing, uh, this is what's crazy. When a big church, when a church gets bigger and bigger and bigger, obviously they probably do get a target and people would start questioning and all that stuff. But some of the, were you there when a few of the things that stuck out, like uh, the, the, what is it, was it fake? Uh, was it set up baptisms or like uh, the, the children's book that showed uh, we trust pastor no matter what than anybody? Were you there? Can you talk about any of that stuff? Was that true? All that stuff? Yeah, we were off on the West Coast when um, the baptism thing happened, I think, and then also when uh, the house stuff broke. So we were actually over on the West Coast in Portland, then we moved back just a few years later. So we were kind of gone for the middle part. But um, I remember, you know, I, I was invited because I was a super volunteer to a lunch with Pastor one time, and it was just me and five other volunteers. And you go in and check down in the office, and at the time, you sit down, and, and right next to you is a big old image and says, hey, we are you know, we'll protect the vision that pastor has at all costs, essentially, you know, something like that. So wow. it, it's it funny surely didn't time. have the word all costs written on it, though. 
Oh, it, it was it was it was pretty much verbatim that way. Yeah, mm. it was. We would I'd like, I'd like to know the specific like wording of that because I, I'll, I'll call. It, it couldn't be that, but I'd be it was, curious it to know what the words were. Or, yeah. I mean, it it was intense, and and it was like, hey, this is not something that you're just going to brush aside. But over time, it's interesting to see how some people start to worship more elevation and what pastor has been able to do. And again, is it really that hard when you're in the most church city, when you do different things to grow as a business and be profitable versus, you know, oh my gosh, how did, how did anybody grow a church in this city? Like how, how did we get to this number? And yes, obviously some stuff is, is uh, not unheard of or, or unusual, but I think people sometimes forget like, who are you really worshiping or why are you going here to do this? How did the meeting yeah. with Heard it go? Like, was he a pretty accessible guy? Pretty open, easy to talk to? Did he have a bodyguard? I mean, like, was there any sort of protective measures as far as like, what if one of y'all was like a a crazy volunteer stalker that just wanted to, you know, spend time with him and you know berate him with accusations? I mean, how did they handle all that? Well, when I was first approached that I had the opportunity or I was selected as because I was doing so good as a volunteer to have lunch and meet with good him. Good job, by the um, way. It, good job. <laughs> it was it was a big honor they were saying this is this is really exciting that you've been chosen for this honor. You need to submit three questions written prior that you would like to ask him. Um, so you, you submitted your questions beforehand and they would screen them and then you would be given them back on a sheet of paper <laughs> when he came in so you could ask him. Why, what do you think the purpose of that was? So he's, so um, he's not caught off guard? <laughs> caught off guard? Yeah, and, and obviously they're going to know, oh, if someone's trying to really, you know, if, if they're touching areas they don't want to talk about. And certainly there are obviously areas that they don't want to talk about. But um, remember we had lunch and then we're sitting in the room and one or two of his assistants would come in and they were nervously like moving around his bottles of water and just like literally they came back like three times to make sure it was in the right place. And we're just kind of sitting around in a half circle and 15, 10 minutes after it was supposed <laughs> to start, he comes rushing in and we were all told we had to stand up when he came in and everything. So we stood up. And Wait, they told down. you, they said, hey, when, when Pastor Stephen comes in, how did they say that? They say, hey, just as a sign of respect, let's stand up. Or they say, hey, just make sure you stand up. How did they, how did they yeah. word that? Um, I mean, honestly, that was back in like 2009. So it, it, I'm sure it was something on the level of like, you know, with respect, like, please stand up or something when he comes into the room right, here. Right, but still, yeah, yeah, that's, it still seems a little bizarre, right? Did so you, you think this is bizarre? Uh, yeah, on the one hand, like, looking back, it's like, how did you not think this was weird? But on the other hand, again, it was played up like, oh, hey, you're selected. Like, you've been doing such a good job. Yeah. Like, here's your reward. Right. You get to meet yeah. our leader here. See, and to me, so I have no, I have to no problem it, in course. just saying that's, you know, and, and I know that's not the only church culture that does that, so it's not pick on elevation mm -hmm. time, but yeah. I don't think there's any reason not for me to feel like I can't say that that is a problem when, especially when Jesus' example was, I'm going to wash these dirty feet that have been walking around the desert, probably right. getting some camel manure on their feet and everything, and yet this is a guy that it sounds like, it sounds like what you're saying is you guys were required to stand up. And obviously, that's a little speculative, but the question is, what if you were to have said, hey, I, seriously, this is that's silly. I'm not going to stand up. I'm comfortable. If he walks in, he can just sit down and we can all talk. I mean, do you think you would have gotten in trouble if you just said, hey, come on, knock this off. I'm not going to stand up. I like the guy, but stand up. He's not the emperor. Oh, yeah, I definitely would have been Jade. And, and actually, that reminds me of one thing I definitely didn't feel cool about at all at the, at the beginning is one of the volunteer teams they were trying to get together was called the bullpen, where you were going to go in the front row and you were supposed to be the most vocal of everyone. They said, hey, if you're a super like cheer hand raiser, like your volunteer role was to be in the front row whether it was a live, you know, studio or not, Yikes. whether he's on the screen or not, like you need to be down there. And they, they tried to come like get me and a couple other, and I'm like, no, that's just not, I'm, I'm not going to do that. That's okay. So I, I do remember that was probably one of the early things I was like, no, nah, I don't Gosh. feel comfortable about doing something like that. But and, that's the same as almost, it planted baptisms and things like that. So they're trying to engineer yeah. situations that, that show, demonstrate things to the public, but it's a little manipulative in the way that you're, you're encouraging behavior that's a little less than genuine from like you know what I mean the people that are going to gravitate towards wanting to be in that bullpen and toward the front they're going to be yeah. rewarded for essentially fake 
behavior, like exaggerated. And then how are you going to stop that from just being fake? And, you know, it gets into all that stuff where you're, you're just, you've encouraged people to do something almost dishonest at some point. Chris, you have to, well, that, yeah. that's on you. Chris, yeah. at some point where you, did you ever have to, you know, because this, this seems like a lot of information that at least, I mean, Elevation can believe in it and say, hey, we're doing the right thing, but they have to know that it would not be taken positively by the public. Was there ever anything at some point that you had to sign as far as saying, hey, I'm not going to tell Elevation secrets, or if I leave this church, you know, your secrets are good with me? No, I was early enough, I don't think I ever had to sign anything, but kind of going to that, like when there was a, a case when I was there where I think a, a handicapped uh, girl or something like that um, was asked to leave, you know, Easter sermon at one point, and there was a big hubbub about that, you know, media was on it, and it was interesting how Elevation basically just shut down in terms of like the the uh, press corps and things like that, and again, is that really like how a church should respond and act? Why versus- did they ask her to leave? I think she made a noise during the the call if you were going to be saved or not. That was the that was uh, the story. Okay. So it was Golly. supposed to be a quiet moment, and and that was a whole big you know that was a big thing locally. And the next week or two, um, groups uh, specifically of parents that had uh, you know kids with disabilities and things like that came to multiple campuses, and we were told like, hey, just so you know, this is probably going to happen. We need to make extra careful, like everything goes good when these kind of people show up, and make sure. So mm-hmm. on the on the one hand, they do things kind of behind closed doors, like hey, we're going to prepare for this, but then they can't come out and say, hey, you know, this was wrong. You know, sorry, we shouldn't have done this. So it's interesting sure. how it flips back and forth between church and a business. Because as a business, you would expect behavior like that, right? Like, let's just close down the walls. If all the shareholders are happy, everything's okay. Right. Well, so there's a lot of disguised language, which is how you kind of spot that there's something a little wrong. So we make this parallel sometimes between being in a rock band and being at a church, being that we've done both. So it's like I'm, I tend to, when I've been volunteer worship leader at church, I'll talk about the audience or crowd. I'll just say, get, we're going to get the crowd to do this. I'll ask them to stand up or raise their hand, whatever it is, because I talk to the crowd. And if you want to mosh in the front of a rock show, you can. And I can tell you to because I'm t- this is all out in the open. I don't have to coat or code the language in any way, but in, when you're talking about this bullpen thing this way, it, it's you can you you can obviously tell that the language is very craftily verbalized so that it would stand up to scrutiny. It's, you know what I mean? It's been run through these filters to where, oh, wait, I didn't say what. You know, it makes the, it, it uh, absolves them of, of, of directly saying, oh, yeah, we want pe- rowdy people on the video in front. So, we, I'm asking you to be rowdy. You know, you're subtly rewarding. And you, you say, I never said that. It's got all these tales of politicians and the mob and all these people where they speak in coded language, which mm-hmm. lets you know that something is going on. You're being very, very careful and deliberate. But on the girl that was handicapped, I'm sorry, I just want to understand that a little bit more. She made a noise because of her disability, and then it was ruining the vibe or the moment. Is that what you're saying happened there? Yeah, and again, this was quite a few number of years ago, but it was during the the altar call or whatever, and I think she made a noise or something like that, and then they were asked to leave because it was kind of interrupting that that moment. Like she wasn't trying to; it was something related to her disability. Oh, yeah, that she, yeah why yeah. she made the noise? Okay, yeah, wow. yeah. But going back so, to the language, Matt. No, you're right, and that's the one thing they did really well. And honestly. I feel looking back at my time at Elevation, I learned a whole lot more about how to run a good business. Like I started my own business online and things like that. And I continually look back at some of the things Elevation did more so from a business standpoint that I think are are brilliant in terms of the way they had the language. But then that goes back to the whole question, are you a business or are you a church? And, And are those things different in terms of how you're acting and what are the metrics you're measuring yourself for success? Do people just, uh, so from the top bottom, I mean, if, if people come to see, uh, if people come to elevation because of Stephen Furtick, then also it's under his leadership that some of these things are happening. But is this church built just on his personality? Is that like, is that what? That's my biggest fear with all these mega churches is it's just built on one dude, and if if it collapses, maybe the whole system collapses, like as we've seen before. Oh, yeah. And actually, in one of the audit annual reports, the firm that audited Elevation specifically even said that. They said one of the risks of this is contribution could be impacted negatively, especially in the short term, if the church's pastor were unable to perform his duties. So even an outside audit group is saying that's that's a problem. Sure. Yeah. And, and, and so also then going back to the other thing we were saying, uh, it, it's set up right from the top and 
they really are on certain levels creating an illusion. Oh, everybody's so into the sermon. Oh my gosh, look at these baptisms. Look, let us show you the giving that we do. Other stuff we might keep it away, but but do you feel that a lot of it was an illusion? Do you feel like let down or at all maybe you were lied to at all? Um, I don't think lied to. And again, it's not like I'm here to pick a beef or something, but sure. I think it's more of is everybody's eyes wide open to like what is actually going on. And if you if you think, hey, the purpose of the church is to stuff as many people into these buildings as we can and have our budgets be as high as we can, so maybe we give a certain percentage or whatever, then keep going for it. And But just make sure like, are your eyes wide open to that fact? And I think anybody that goes to Elevation for the first couple of times is not thinking about those things on any level and in some ways are getting steered towards the other thing like oh this is the most amazing thing in the world what other church could do something like this well it's because they did a lot of stuff to make sure all this stuff is in place in terms of being a purple cow in a in a fertile ground and yeah. things like that did we lose matt he's frozen a million <laughs> joey are you still there yeah we might have lost matt with power i'm not sure yet Gotcha. They've been having a prob- uh, power problem, or, or it's the Lord, Chris. One. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, We're getting so too close. Be careful. Chris, yep. uh, he, yeah. lost, he lost power. Reva said she so lost we power. Probably... Well, Chris, let me uh, let me do this. Thank you for coming on here. And well, for hey, that I in- want to ask one last okay. well, since, since we're still recording, we're going to use our recording anyway. Yeah. So, Brett, you can edit this in. But, Chris, what I was going to ask you, uh, what what was the final straw? What was it where you're like, okay, because you have a family and you decided to leave a church where you'd been a serious super volunteer. What was the thing that made you guys go, yeah, you and your family leave? Uh, I think one thing was when they made a really big deal about changing uh, the church's mission statement. And at one time it was um, that others far from God will be raised to life in Christ. And they changed it to uh, see what God can do through you. And it seemed to, you know, again, totally shift to what is the purpose? Um, and of course, you want to grow and, and develop, but that just that totally changed it. It felt like from let's outreach to other people that need us, need help, versus hey, see how you can get better and see look at look at what we can accomplish in terms of numbers and things like that. Um, right. I think that really rubbed me the wrong way too. And and honestly, kind of just listening to you guys and even saying like, hey self-evaluate is Sunday morning getting in the car and, and dealing with the parking and all that stuff and getting stressed out and then, you know, have an argument with the family or whatever. Is that really the best way to enjoy yourself and enjoy your family and, and get in a better place spiritually, especially when you have podcasts and things like that? Like, is that really the best way to go about it? Yeah. Well, man, I appreciate it. I think we're going to take this conversation from here and kind of uh, think about some of the stuff that you've pointed out and and maybe wrap up this Elevation conversation once and for all, dude. (laughs) No, but thanks for writing. And uh, yeah, it definitely gives us some good perspective, man. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, guys. The only thing I want to add to this conversation is that there's a guy on staff at Elevation that at this point doesn't want to come on the podcast, but he says that he's a a fan of what we're doing and he's listened to all the talk that we've been doing about, you know, church in general kind of since day one. And he has sent us annual reports from Elevation and, and just kind of keeps in touch and is kind of understanding of any sort of negativity that we have. But he says that they're a member of the ECFA, which is the Independent Watchdog Organization for Financial Accountability and Churches and Ministry. Um, you got to, to be a member, you have to see all the budgets, individual salaries. Uh, and he says, all of that said, my guess is that the Observer, which is a newspaper, was only commenting on the print version and not the actual audited financial statements. But anyway, he uh, he he finds it, almost like his responsibility, I guess, to make sure we're getting a more thorough snapshot. But no matter what, I mean, I think you can't get away from the observation that there's not complete transparency, not even in in this budget report. I mean, I appreciate him sending that. Yeah, I looked at the budget that the guy sent, and I wish he would come on because what's the secrecy thing? That Even that there is what bothers me. You know, why wouldn't you come on? If somebody's saying something and you disagree with it, why wouldn't you come on our podcast and, and prove us wrong? That's the, here's the whole thing that I, really frustrates me. Prove us wrong. 
I want to be proven wrong. I want the church to succeed. I want elevation to succeed. I've said it one million times. Stephen Furtick is one of the most talented pastors, preachers rather, maybe, that at least I know. I don't know much about his pastoring. I know this preaching, it, it shows that constantly. I never, there's not one time where you don't see his, and I follow him, so I'm probably asking for punishment, glutton for punishment a little bit. But I'm just saying, I see all that. When you send those forms, I looked through some of them. I, I didn't really clarify anything. You're right. I don't know how much people get paid. I don't know what the money really goes to. What is, I understand that you gave this much, but why? Uh, what's the idea behind we need another building as opposed to helping people? Or, or, or is that what you think helping people is? A, a new air-conditioned building with nicer seats and stuff like that? That is what, I mean, we, us three here at Bad Christian might be totally jerks and wrong haters, as, as Stephen Ferguson said in the past. Our haters. But if that's true, you can easily prove it yeah. by just releasing everything. There's no reason for secrecy in any of this. There is zero secrecy needed mm-hmm. if everything's above yeah. board. And that's what's really frustrating to me. So we have one guy that comes up, won't even come on and says, hey, this. And then we have well, Chris that fairness, comes on and tells us some stuff. But even yeah, Chris it, doesn't know in everything. Fairness, Chris doesn't even know that much. did say he would talk to us, but not on the podcast itself. And that could just be because he's... Uh, he would be too nervous. I mean, that could be for for any different reason. But I think the main thing. I mean, I, I maybe so. Well, that's built that's built into the thing. So that that's what I think is big. I don't care about the money stuff. I really don't. I mean, you can say it's none of my business. I'm fine. I don't with that really. Too, but the, it's not that. But here's what people. Here's the only thing we're hitting on that's important, in my opinion, is the idea that this whole system is condescending to it, the participants. It's a slightly, at least slightly manipulative, and it is definitely condescending to the people that follow it. It's, it's, it's just a, it's not, you know, that the, the reason you leave is when you go, wait a minute, they're just kind of using me or talking down to me or not trusting me or not respecting me enough to like make a decision or ask a question. It's not even that like the, all finances should be transparent only X amount should be spent. But you, you know, you know, you're being treated a little bit like a child. You feel that, and I've been in the system before, and I felt that way. I just felt like, well, I, they're kind of treating me like a child. Like I, I have to. Be, everything has to be calculated and put in front of me in a way that sounds good for me. It's like mommy and daddy explaining some, a delicate subject to me. That's everything. Yeah. That's condescending. Yeah. That's the problem I have. And right. we're the bad guys if we question it. Right. That's the thing I don't understand. Like anybody that ever says, "Hey, man, you know your attitude shows that this, this, that." No, I'm just who. Uh, why can't we just get some answers? Why can't we ask a real question and get a real answer? You're exactly right, Matt. I actually don't care about the money. Here's the only thing I'd rather. Yeah, not why that. not 100% full transparency and then do whatever you want with full transparency? Then people can actually go, oh, I'm fine with this or I'm not fine right. with it. Not, oh, I think it's okay. Yeah, he has a big house. I guess that's okay or well, not. Matt, like, as far it, as I, what I don't understand. Yeah, just stop not, treating not come me out like and say, a child. It's actually not that big. How would you that. respond to this, Matt, if they're saying, no, 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 our intention isn't to treat you like a child. We're just trying to protect Furtick because we want him to be able to keep going and just kind of protect him. Yeah, the, the, yeah, the, protect, the disciples really protected Jesus, man. They, they lived forever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what's, what's the protection? Protection right, from what? Right, exactly. where, where God told us that we'll be persecuted. People said, you know, you, it'll be bad and it's going to be tough. Protect what's the, no, 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 what? I agree. Is, 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 I agree. From I agree. what? Yeah. It's, it, I, that's I all think, a lie from the top down. It's not true. You don't need to be protected. Who's protecting me? Yeah. Who's protecting the congregation? The main, you have to that's trust that they're looking out. I think all the, that stuff, the main you know? thing that I get out of all this is there should not be anything wrong with people saying, yeah, that's not okay with me. The, the simplest notion that he makes people stand up when he walks into a room. That's just not okay. And... I'm okay with saying I don't think that's right generally. It's dumb. It's not even that that's the mega right and wrong or some sin right. or some disqualifying. It's just if that is happening and that you know that that's enough of a red flag where you should be on your toes and say, wait a second, how am I being treated and respected here? That's the question you need to ask yourself. That's all. And, and it's doing a disservice to him. Yeah. For people to put him in, that, that is not honoring your pastor. I, that's actually dishonoring him, making him above everybody else in a way that isn't right. Of course, he has gifts and skills and he's a leader, all those things. But that you don't 
say, oh, I'm going to, I mean, that, what, is, what is that even? And I know a lot of people go, yeah, it's okay to honor somebody and stand up. But if you're going to stand up, do it on your own accord. Don't tell people to stand up. That's the, the fake thing. If, if, if an older gent like my pawpaw who served in the military came in or whatever and people stood up on their own volition, yeah, that's yeah. honorable. That's true honor. Not, yeah. hey, do this. That's a scam. That's an illusion. That's it's not an illusion. true. It's manipulation and illusion. So magic is really correlated and very related to a lot of uh, marketing and advertising yep. and the way social media algorithms work. Uh, there, there's sleight of hand and it's illusion and it's manipulation and magic's a good parallel. And it's not evil. I'm not even saying that. It's just there's a lot of parts of our brain and the way that we work that are subject to stuff. Like, for instance, groupthink. And you're not going to, if everybody else is going along in this culture where you protect the person, you're not going to say anything. That's built in right. intentionally and it's like a magic trick in a way. I'm not saying it's a deception on, the, on a fundamental level necessarily. Necessarily, but it is very similar to a magic trick or an illusion. That's a good observation. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Let's get happy. I got one good news yes. story that I think it kind, of, it kind of makes me happy. So kick the music, Matt. In a world where uh, you are just an uh, awful person, mm-hmm. I'm talking about Toby Morell right. here. And, I do. I do bad things. I sin. I'm. I'm not always nice to my wife or my family. I, uh, you know, try to get what's best for me. All this stuff. But I'm the damn person that can question things. Why not you, good people out there, the people with honor? You're falling back into it, Toby. You're supposed to get happy. Hey, you just said you're about to get happy. You're about to go back. Green Bay Packers. (laughs) Green Bay Packers. Clemson Tigers, national champions, baby, 2017. Oh, hell yeah. All right. Well, uh, I got a good news story about the Green Bay Packers uh, here that lightened my heart. I thought cool. this was pretty cool. Uh, now, Joey and I both have Green Bay Packer tattoos. Matt has a Clemson tattoo. Joey has a Clemson tattoo. I have yet to get my Clemson tattoo, but I will. Trust me. I was thinking, I sh- you know how awesome it would have been if we would have gotten uh, Nat- Clemson National Champions 2016, or I guess it was 2017, uh, before that happened, like if us three would have said we're taking the gamble, that would have been so badass. At that la- after that one second when we saw Hunter Info catch that, I would have looked at my tattoo and just been like, <laughs> "F the world." We'll go ahead and do it that for next so year cool. then. You have the same opportunity. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. Whatever, Matt. All right, this comes from roving reporter Mickey Lilly. Uh, he's a part of the club. If I can get it going here, sorry about that. Uh, Green Bay fan takes wife's last name so he can be a Packer too. Imagine, uh, and this comes from Molly Pottlesony at Molly Pottle, M- 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 I can't even say her last name, but I'm saying it kind of Pottlesony, uh, wrote this article. Imagine loving a football team so much you change your name to match it. That's kind of what Ryan Holton Murphy did when he married Marie Packer. By taking her last name, the two got married June 17th in Chicago. The wedding's theme was, of course, Packers. Holton Murphy even wore a suit patterned with the Green Bay logo for the reception. Plus, he put together most of the Packer-themed decorations. That's so cool that she let him do that. Even Holton Murphy is a diehard Green Bay Packer fan who grew up in Wisconsin and met his now wife in Madison. Uh, he didn't believe that her last name was Packer when they met at a karaoke bar. <laughs> but she showed him her ID and uh, credit card as proof. Packer said oh, she, she planned he required to keep her two last forms of ID there. Nice. Right, exactly. <laughs> she said she had planned to keep her name anyway because she was a doctor, uh, but when the two got engaged, uh, she said, I love that he wants to take it. The Packer family has a nice ring to it. Holton Murphy proposed to Packer while wearing an Aaron Rodgers jersey, of course. The couple <laughs> isn't that so awesome? Ha- uh, had a baby beluga whale swim up to a Packer holding the ring while they were at a water tank. That's how he engaged to her. Uh, got, they got engaged. So basically, just to be a Packer, he's such a diehard Packer fan that he took her last name instead of everybody else's name and uh i just thought i mean instead of her taking his name i just thought that is amazing that is wonderful i i couldn't be more proud uh of him as a man as a packer fan that he would do that joey if priscilla's last name would have been something like that if, if what would you have taken or no way are you that what if, what if priscilla's last name was priscilla boston celtics <laughs> i mean i i guess i'll answer it this way that that wouldn't that wouldn't make me feel good about my team. Like, oh, my last name is the same as my right. favorite team. So I think it's neat, and and I don't think this guy's yeah. dumb. I mean, but that's just not how I how I would view it at all. But I think the sad story about all this, the sad part of all this, is 
we know for sure that he actually sought females out that had that last name, and he made it look like an accident. But he sought her like out. he was. Yeah, yeah, he he's yeah. he was actually, yeah, actually he wanted a stalker. That. He yeah, he already right? that's what you th- yeah yeah. Hey, I was gonna say. But just adding on to that, do y'all think because of the way everything is going with society and culture that it, that'll most likely be the norm in the future? Like you either won't take each other's like the wife or won't take the husband's last name, or it'll just go either way, or it won't even matter in the future. It's like is that um, a you know a, a legacy or a, a tradition rather that I think it's, what uh, we'll see decrease gone? more uh, rapidly is just marriage. Honestly, I think less people will get married. But sure, I think in the context of marriage, yeah, there'll be more people just kind of keeping their names because they'll just. I think it's like taking the male's last name is just going to be seen as inequality amongst the between the two genders. So it'll just be like, right. what's the it's, point? Why would we do this? It's one of those things where you have to just look at it and you say, well, hang on a second. I'll admit I would be embarrassed if Bridget had refused to take my name. I'd be like, uh, I feel like I would had to apologize for that. But it doesn't, I, I right. mean, but if I think about it in a logical way, I mean, it doesn't, it, I don't, it shouldn't be a big deal. So I think yeah, we that, need a better solution, saying. but I don't know what it would be. Yeah, I, it, right now it feels almost like, wait a minute, why wouldn't you take my name? Is it you're, right. you're you know, are you so independent? Are you really committed to this? But that's not really true. That's just that's what I'm saying. It's just a tradition that seems like it means something, but it doesn't really. So I don't know. I, that's why I'm glad this guy took her last name. But anyway, that's the damn the news. Damn fools. news. All Thank right. You, well, I'm looking forward to football yeah. season, but in the meantime, let me tell you what a lot of people in this world's doing. Hey, it just bleeped up on my on my computer in the news because you know I get news updates constantly. Chris oh, has shit. gone missing. You talking about yeah. our, our guest? We got that we Facebook just comments I on the stream drop. Chris, there. Our oh, guest Chris gosh. Ritter has gone missing. A black so, uh, van pulled up and with a big E away. on it. The black van had a big yep. E on it. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, gosh, it with a heavy heart, I want to talk about what many human beings are doing these days, and that's joining the bcclub.com by going to. By many, you mean most of human I beings. Think most human beings are joining. Yes, so you we have do it. just gotten to a point where it's the majority of the human race. But just it, the B, the bad Christian club yes, is bigger than Christianity. Yes, that now. that is close. an accurate yeah. statement, and we are taking some steps towards as far as a group denominating this podcast. Is that how you say it? Denominating yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> We're BC. What, what denomination BC? will we be? What are we? <laughs> oh, 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 we are yeah, a denomination. Yeah. There's going to be people that are just like, yeah, I'm okay. BC. Wow. Well, does that mean that we'll eventually, maybe we're more than a denomination. Maybe it's like Catholic, Protestant, BC. Maybe it's a whole division and we have sub-denominations of what type of BC you could be. Ooh, like first BC, second BC. Did y'all listen at all, any, to that that guy? I I know y'all noticed it on the BC Club, but I just don't understand how people like that get voices. Oh, yes. It just amazes me that people say, "Oh, I want to hear what this guy says." It's just crazy. You might, some want to, yeah, you might want to at yeah. least give a I figured you guys a would. Just say they always that pick guy. on me about that, and I'm okay. not just going to keep it there. About what? Saying stuff that nobody knows. That's what you're why talking you're supposed about? to do Wait, it now. Not pick so, on you for that. Okay, do it. <laughs> I don't know his name. I don't know. Okay, there's some kind of pastor. This internet pastor. I think he's out of Texas or something. That was just talking about how. It was really funny because the video says, he says, they used the D word. My sister used to get her mouth washed out with soap from my mom when she cussed, and she didn't even, she wasn't even a Christian. What's the D word? And these- Dong, dick, dipshit, damn, exactly. douchebag. Yeah. What is it? But what's really funny, somebody posted an article about it. Like, I think this guy's had several wives, and is kind of shady, and he, I don't know if he even has a real congregation. He's just trying to get stuff. So, of course, it's easy to say stuff about us, just like maybe that's what people think we're doing to Elevation. So I understand it. I understand when your reaction is, why are they talking bad about Elevation Church? Because people do the same thing to us. So maybe we are full of shit, but that's the big picture here is we ain't good. Me, Matt, Joey aren't good, and it's okay to say that stuff and call us out on where we're wrong and do all these things. It's just crazy. But anyway, I don't, I don't, I don't waste time on, on you know, crazy people. Dingleberry, dog do, ship, shit, dipshit. What else? D-word. Uh, What's dickhead. the D-word? Did you say dickhead? <laughs> Douchebag, yeah, dick, dickhead. Um, There's lots of them. The the Vagina. guy. Let's see. I'm I'm actually pulling it up right now. The guy's name Dussie. is Se- Seiko Woods. 
You don't have to give the guy any. No, I you don't have to that do out. that. You don't have to get send people to some. I don't want anybody hassling people. I don't, I don't want anybody to even go there. Right. I don't want to give him any credit. Yeah, he's just a dude. Just a dude. All right. Well, these like people everybody. are not just dudes. All They're right, anyway. uh, men and women who have made a bold step and a very admirable one to join the BC Club, and that's Nicolay Fuller, Holly Warden, Nicholas Kyle, Julia Gardner, Jessica Lee Balasio, Chella L. Hutchinson. And George A. Barahana, Barahana, and uh, yeah, we thank you guys. Everyone else can join by going to thebcclub.com. There's different levels to join, and most of these people they're joining just because they want to be a part of Bad Christian, and they believe you know they have found that it's actually fun to support something that they enjoy listening to. And in the meantime, you can get music releases, little updates from Matt, Toby, and I. But the best thing is interacting with other people that otherwise you would have never met, people in other parts of the country that listen. And there's been all sorts Mm -hmm. of groups started on Facebook and just a different outlet of community. So we appreciate you all. Yes. All right. Thank you. Thank you guys so well, much. Put, it's Joey. been awesome. Hey, hey, last thing I want to say, Joey, I know we kind of always bust you on your weight and stuff like that, but here's what your body's a temple, but yours oh, is awesome. just a mega church. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com. 